Awesome. Why don't we get into the word? I want to start with a question. And the question is a very simple one. How do you know you're growing in faith? How do you know that you're becoming more and more spiritually mature? How do you know, how do you really know that you're becoming more and more Christ-like? I think the thing about growth is that while it's happening, you can't really feel it. You can't feel yourself getting taller. You can't feel yourself gaining weight. Well, actually, maybe that one you can, especially since Thanksgiving is coming up. But you can't feel yourself growing. So how do you know you're growing? The thing is, you can't feel growth, but you can measure it. I mean, how many of you in your households growing up, you had that wall where you would mark your height as you grow taller? And then you get so excited when you grew an inch, you look back and you grew two inches. You know, I'm not very tall, so I got excited when I grew a few centimeters. I remember one time my friend played a trick on me and erased the, the highest height and made it five inches higher. So next time I checked, I thought I was shrinking, right? But you, you, you look back on that height chart, you look back on that wall, and you would see your growth. Why? Because you could measure your growth. Today we're going to look at Galatians 5. And in this chapter, in this passage, Paul gives us the metrics for measuring our spiritual growth. He gives us the thing that we measure our spiritual maturity against. He tells us this is how you know you're growing. This is how you know you're becoming more and more spiritually mature. This is how you know you're becoming more and more Christ-like. And so we're going to look at Galatians 5, and I'm going to start a few verses ahead, but we're going to start from verse 16 through 26. We don't have it up on the screen today, so you're going to need to get out your Bibles. Galatians 5, 16 through 26, and this is what Paul writes. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the part I want to focus on today, Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I want to ask you a question before we jump into this passage. Who who inspires you as a follower of Jesus? Now, don't, don't rush to say me. I know everyone's trying to say me, but who, who inspires you when you think about, man, that's who I want to be like? Like, that is the mark of spiritual maturity. That's the model for Christ-likeness. Who inspires you as a follower of Jesus? I think growing up, I used to be so drawn to those people who could preach so eloquently, 
those people who could pray so powerfully, those people who were so um, powerfully prophetic and people who would lead worship with such anointing, those used to be the people that I was so drawn towards. I would think those are the marks of spiritual maturity. Those are the marks of Christ-likeness. That's what I want to aim for. That's who I want to be like. That's what I want to be like. But I find that as I'm growing older, I'm drawn less and less to those outward fruits. I find that nowadays, in my 30s, I'm still a young guy, but I'm drawn a lot more towards those who are particularly loving, even to those people that many would consider enemies. I'm drawn towards those people who carry unshakable peace, even when storms are all around. I'm drawn towards people with undeniable joy, even when life circumstances say the opposite. I'm drawn towards people who have self-control when everyone else around them is raging and freaking out. And here Paul is saying that spiritual maturity, spiritual growth isn't measured by how much you know about the Bible. It isn't measured by what tweetable revelations you come up with. It isn't measured by how long you can stay in prayer without falling asleep. He says these things are great, but the real question is, are you growing in love? Are you growing in joy? Are you growing in patience? Are you growing in peace? Are you growing in gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control? This is the fruit, the measure of growth in our spiritual lives. Many years back, we were having a conference here in the Bay Area, and we, we really wanted this one worship group to come and lead us in worship. I'm not going to say who they were, because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sow dissension amongst the body, but we invited this well-known worship group, and you know, they, we sing a lot of their songs. They're so anointed. They write, they write amazing worship music. But I remember we invited them, And I remember the thing I thought was, wow, they're amazing at leading worship, but it's not very fun or life-giving to be around them. That's all I'll say. And I was shocked that they carried an attitude and a character that didn't seem to match the anointing they carried in worship. You know, I fear that today in the body of Christ, we place so much more emphasis on the outward gifts of preaching and leading worship and prophesying and, you know, being a Twitter prophet or an Instagram prophet and saying all these things when you're not bearing the fruit of the Spirit that really matters. Listen, I don't care how anointed or gifted you are. If you're not bearing the fruit of the Spirit, you're missing the mark. I don't care if you started hundreds of organizations or if you give thousands of dollars to charity or to your tithes. If you're not bearing the fruit of the Spirit, you are missing the mark. I want you to think about our world. I mean, just think for a second. Look around you. I want you to think about social media. I want you to think about what you see or read on the news. I think when I look at the world around me, I look at this first part of Galatians 5, where Paul is saying, these are the works of the flesh. Hatred. Discord. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness. It sounds just like our world. 
And I think our world needs something different. I think our world needs something better. Our world needs believers who bear love, who bear joy, who bear peace, who bear patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. We need believers who embody Christ-likeness by bearing fruits of the Spirit. Listen, if you shout, make America great again, but you don't have any, any heart or empathy or love for the orphan or the widow or the immigrant or those who are different, then you are off the mark. In the same way, if you're shouting Black Lives Matter, but you have no self-control over your mouth, and you're leaving a path of chaos and destruction every time you speak, you're missing the mark. Listen, the world wants to convince you that we have to play their game, that we have to live, that we have to act, we have to speak like them. But I'm here to tell you, the Spirit is saying there is a better way. There is a higher way than the world presents to us. And it is the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, it's possible to pursue justice without losing kindness and self-control. It's possible to be successful at work without losing goodness and patience. It's possible to be relevant without losing faithfulness. There is a better way, a higher way that the Spirit calls us to. And so the question I want to ask you today is a very simple one. Is your life bearing the fruit of the flesh or is it bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Ooh, I felt a holy wave of conviction all across that screen. Is your life, when you look at your life in the way that you act, in the way that you treat others, in the way that you speak, is it bearing the fruit of the flesh? Or is it bearing the fruit of the Spirit? There is a better way. And so I just want to spend the rest of this time just answering two questions. What are the fruits of the Spirit? And how do, we, how do we get them? How do we bear these fruits? And so as we're talking about these fruits of the Spirit, I'm just going to go very briefly through each of the nine. Tim Keller has this amazing spreadsheet where he talks about each of the fruits. And the thing I'm going to do is I'm going to define each of the fruits very briefly. I'm also going to share what are the opposites of each fruit. And then just for a bonus, I'm going to share what are the counterfeits of each fruit. Because each fruit has counterfeits. For example, as an Enneagram type 7, my core motivation in life is to avoid pain at all costs. And so, so I don't like bad news. I don't like hard conversations. I want to avoid being trapped in a cycle of pain. Y'all should be weary of that, by the way. It's a scary thing. And so some people might look at me, and when everything around me is going horribly and things are falling apart, they'd be like, Mickey, you have so much peace. And I want to be able to say, yeah, I carry peace, but... If I'm honest with myself, it's just because I'm an Enneagram type 7. I'm too avoidant. I can't deal with all the bad news around me, and so I just avoid it. That's a counterfeit piece. And so each of the fruits have a counterfeit. So we're just going to go through each one really quick. Let's start with the first one, which is probably the most important one. Paul says the first fruit of the Spirit is love or agape. And a good definition of love is this, to love a person for who they are, not for what they can give you. It's a selfless kind of love. The opposite of love, you would think it's hatred. It's actually fear. It's the fear that we hold back our love or we abuse others in fear or in self-protection. Now, the counterfeit of this love is what Tim Keller calls selfish affection. It's not loving a person for who they are, but for how their love makes you feel about yourself. You love others for what they can give you back. Can I tell you, marriage, strong marriages are not built on that counterfeit kind of love, that selfish affection. 
You learn real quick after your first year of marriage that there are times when, not, not my wife, but when I become unlovable and she still chooses to love me, that's the agape love that, that, that Paul is talking about. It's not a love that expects anything in return. It's a love that's freely given for who they are, not what they can give you back. The second fruit, joy or chara. The definition is delight in God for the sheer beauty and the worth of who he is. The opposite is obvious hopelessness and despair. And the counterfeit of joy are elations that come with the blessings, but not the blesser. It means how you feel is based only on circumstance. And so the joy that you're experiencing exists only so long as everything around you is going well. But true joy from the Spirit delights in God regardless of what is going on around you. It rejoices regardless of life circumstances. So that's the joy that Paul is talking about. The third fruit, peace or Irene, is confidence and rest in the sovereignty of God, trusting his ways more than your own. The opposite, anxiety and worry. And the counterfeit of peace, like I mentioned earlier, as an Enneagram type 7, any type 7s out there, you need to watch out for this one, is indifference, apathy, not caring about something, or avoidance. You know, many evangelicals today who are critiquing those who are protesting police brutality and racism in America, they're saying, why all the fuss? Can't we all just live in peace? That's a counterfeit peace to not address a problem, to be indifferent towards the suffering and the plight of others is not true peace. It's counterfeit. True shalom is, says we're not okay until everyone's okay. There's not true peace until everyone is at peace. And so the, the third one is peace. The fourth is patience. I can't even pronounce this Greek. Makrothumia. I think that's right. Makrothumia. Write that down. Makrothumia. And this means the ability to take trouble from others or life without blowing up. We need patience today, y'all. It's taking trouble from life or from others without blowing up. The opposite is resentment toward God and others. You grow bitter at others and God. But the counterfeit is just as dangerous. It's cynicism. Or self-righteousness. You lower your standard for others and expect everyone to let you down. Or you come to expect that everyone's out to get you. Everyone's a sinner but me. And your view of others becomes so low that you appear to be patient. But really it's because you just have lowered the standard so much that you expect everyone to let you down. When really it's just cynicism and self-righteousness. The fifth fruit, kindness. Kind of sounds like Cheetos in the Greek. Krestostotes. I think that's right. Krestostotes. Means external acts of goodness out of a deep inner security. The opposite is self-centeredness or envy. You're unable to rejoice for others' blessings. But the counterfeit is manipulative good deeds self-congratulation, and self-righteousness. In other words, you're kind because it makes you feel and look good. The next one is goodness. Another word for this is integrity. Goodness or integrity. The Greek, agathosune. Honesty and transparency. Being the same in one situation as another. 
The opposite is phoniness or hypocrisy. And the counterfeit, I love this, is truth without love. Getting things off your chest for your sake and not the sake of others. Listen, some of you need to hear me. In our day of Twitter and Instagram, if your truth bombs are leaving paths of devastation, it's leaving people hurt and harmed, you might need to ask, am I really saying this for them or am I saying it for me? And so the counterfeit of goodness and integrity is truth without love. It's being harsh without having the care or the love for others when you speak. Just a few more. Faithfulness, pistis. The definition is loyalty or courage to be principle-driven, committed, utterly reliable, true to one's word. The opposite is being unreliable, following through only when it benefits you. And the counterfeit is the opposite of the last one we, we just looked at. It's love without truth. Being loyal when you should be willing to confront or challenge. Can I just say, there's a counterfeit faithfulness in the evangelical church right now. A counterfeit faithfulness to America, where we say we love our country, but we're unwilling to confront or challenge all the ways that our country is falling short or may have harmed uh, people throughout history. There's two more. Gentleness. Another word for this is humility. Pratos. It means self-forgetfulness, thinking of yourself less, confidence in who you are, but you're willing to place others before yourself. The opposite is pride or superiority. I'm better than others, and I'll do whatever it takes to get my way. This may be expressed in rudeness or harshness. And the counterfeit is insecurity or inferiority. You're a doormat to others because you have such a low view of yourself. And then the final one is self-control, egratia. It means self-mastery, control, control and restraint. The opposite is an impulsive, uncontrolled person. You're always after instant gratification. But the counterfeit's just as dangerous. It's willpower based in pride, the need to feel in control. I believe I read in an article somewhere, Enneagram type threes, this is a a pitfall for you, a danger. You feel in total control of your life, and it's because of self-pride. And so these are the amazing fruits of the Spirit. Let me just ask you, doesn't this sound amazing? Don't you want more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more faithfulness, more gentleness, more self-control in your life? Come on, how many of you need it? The next question then we have to ask is, how do we bear the fruit of the Spirit? And this is where we're going to land and end. How do we bear these wonderful fruits that the Holy Spirit gives us? I think the first thing we have to understand is this. It is the Spirit's fruit and not ours. It's the Spirit's fruit, not ours. And so growing in these things is not a matter of exerting more human effort. It's not a matter of trying harder to become more loving, more patient, more joyful. I don't know if you've tried that before, but it doesn't work. You come to realize, I'm just not patient enough. I'm just not joyful enough. I'm just not loving enough. You meet that person that's just impossible to love. You come to that situation where it's just impossible for you not to blow up. You come across that thing that you want where it's just impossible to practice self-control. So it's not a matter of exerting more human effort. It's not our fruit. It's the Spirit of God's.
And so how then do we bear this fruit? We have to look not to ourselves, but to the Spirit of God. We have to understand that it is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Mickey. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Krista, not the fruit of Jacob. Maybe the fruit of Maureen, because she's amazing. Maybe it's the fruit of, I don't know, anyone that you could think of that's very saint-like. No, it's not your fruit. It is the fruit of the Spirit. And the key to bearing fruit in the Spirit is simply this. It's learning to abide in the Spirit. In other words, when we're attached to the vine, when we're attached to the Spirit, when we're abiding in the Spirit, He will bear the fruit in our lives. And so the key to fruitfulness is not human effort. It's learning to abide in the Spirit. This is why Paul says in Galatians 5, So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He doesn't say, flee the desires of the flesh. Try your best not to uh, engage in the desires of the flesh. He says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let me ask you, do you have those friends in your lives where when you're just around them, you just become like a better person? You're just so inspired by the way they love. You're so inspired by how patient they are. You're just so inspired by how kind they are. When I think about someone who embodies these fruit, I think of um, one of my mentors, Pastor Robert Daniels. I talk about him all the time. And he kind of reminds me of an anointed Kermit the Frog. He just has this meek, humble posture. He's so soft-spoken. And you know, he pastors a church. He's been pastoring for for decades, and his church isn't big. It's not a mega church, you know. He doesn't have outward fruit that shows how powerful he really is on the inside. But when you're around him, you see, wow, this man is spiritually mature. Man, this man is Christ-like. This man has got this Christianity thing down. He understands what it's about. And when you're around him, you can't help but just be better. And even when you're tempted to lose your cool, you're tempted to lose your peace or your joy, just being around someone like that, you just can't. And in the same way, when Paul says, we live by the Spirit, so let's keep in step with the Spirit, it's learning to be aware that there is a Holy Ghost that's living on the inside of me that has never wavered from the place of love, that has never wavered from the place of joy, that has never wavered from the place of gentleness or self-control. And he's living on the inside of me and he's bearing his fruit. It's not by my effort or by my might. We live with the awareness of the Holy Spirit in us and he begins bearing that fruit. And so when you're in that conversation where you're about to lose your patience, it's not about saying to yourself, more patience, Mickey, more patience, more patience, more patience. It's about being aware of the spirit that's within you that's not losing its cool. When you're losing joy because of the difficult circumstances in your life, it's not about repeating happy thoughts, happy thoughts, happy thoughts, happy thoughts again and again and again. It's not about willing it into existence. It's about being aware of the spirit that is living in you that knows only the fullness of joy. We need this fruit, and we need to learn to walk with the Spirit to see this fruit born in our lives. So I want to ask you, 99, what would it look like if we were a people, a church that embodied 
the fruits of the Holy Spirit. A people that embody love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. How refreshing would we be in a world filled with so much hate, so much discord, so much jealousy, so much rage, so much division. And I tell you what, you're not going to win the world with the sermons that you preach or the songs that you write or the things that you pray. You're going to win the world. People are going to look at you and say, that's what I want when you see, when they see the fruits of the Holy Spirit being born in your lives. This is the measure of spiritual maturity. This is the marker for spiritual growth in Christ-likeness. I want to end with a story. I think one of the most inspirational believers in our lifetime, I think he's going to be a legend. His name is Bob Goff. And he's written these amazing books like... uh, Everybody always and love does. I recommend you check it out. But when you look at Bob, you just see someone who embodies the love of the Holy Spirit. He has so many stories. I mean, literally, he has so many stories in all of his books and his talks. But one of my favorite stories is his interaction with one of his neighbors, Carol. And, you know, Bob, every year he started this thing in his neighborhood where he just started a parade in his neighborhood. And so every year annually, he would lead this parade down the street. He said the first year, only like eight people showed up. But as the years progressed, more and more people started joining. Now it's like in the hundreds or something. But every year, like they would do things like choose like a parade king and a queen who would march in the front. And he said, this is just a way for me to get to know my neighbors because you can't love who you don't know. And so Bob would do these crazy things. He'd do an annual parade. But he had this one neighbor whose name was Carol. And he got to know Carol. He got close with Carol. But after a few years into their friendship, Carol had cancer. And it was devastating news to her, to Bob and his family, to all the neighbors. And there were points where she was so weak she couldn't even walk by herself. And so one year for the parade, what they decided to do was they actually got a motorcycle with one of those sidecars. And they surprised Carol and said, Carol, why don't you hop in the sidecar? And so Carol was chosen as that year's parade queen. And they drove her out in the front as the parade marched behind her. It was this beautiful, beautiful epic moment. There's another story of, you know, Carol is talking to Bob and she's saying, you know, one of my, one of my bucket list dreams, something that I've never done that I've always wanted to do is TP a house, right? She was, she was like a rebel, right? And so Bob one day surprised her. He came to her door, opened a bag, and there was a bunch of toilet paper rolls. She said, Carol, let's go. And so they went to a house across the street with a big tree, and they just started throwing the toilet paper rolls over the tree. They're just having a great time. I think the police even came by and stopped them, but Bob explained what was going on, and the police laughed, <laughs> and they just all had a good time. And this is just the type of guy that Bob was. He loved Carol so much. But I think one of the most moving stories was a year after that first parade. Carol had gotten the news just a few months before New Year's Eve that her cancer was terminal, that she was not going to survive, that she was going to die soon. You know, they grieved and they mourned together, and then they took Carol home. And Carol at that point is just waiting now. It's just a matter of time. You know, the parade was coming up, and the day of the parade finally came, but Carol was too weak to leave her room. And so Bob said, hey, just sit by your window. And, you know, she's sitting there, And Bob 
He started the parade, but he went on a different route. And the route led them throughout the neighborhood, but it ended in front of Carol's house. There are over 500 people there in front of Carol's house with balloons, with music, with shouting, with cheering, with singing, all of them just celebrating Carol. Bob says, Carol, look out your window. They're all here for you. You know, Carol, as her sweet self, you know, grandma that likes to teepee, she's just blowing kisses to each and every person. But in the book, it describes Carol as feeling this love and this elation that comes. A few days later, she actually passed away. But when I, when I read stories like this, when I read about people like Bob, who go above and beyond to love, who go above and beyond to spread joy, I see, man, this is what our faith is about. This is the stuff that I think pleases the heart of God more than our Bible studies, more than our extensive knowledge of the history of the Israelites, more than our extensive knowledge of prayer. I think this is what pleases the heart of God, the fruit of the Spirit, the Christ-likeness that is born when we walk in step with him. And I believe this is what God calls us to as a church, as a people. You know, as your pastor, more than your extensive knowledge of scripture, more than the time that you spend in prayer, I would feel like my job was successful if you became a more loving person, became more patient, if you exercised more self-control. If these fruits were evident in your life, that's my heart. And I think when your friends notice, wow, you've gotten kinder since you started following Jesus. Wow, you've gotten a lot more patient. You know, your, your spouse or your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your friends are saying, you've gotten a lot more patient since you started following Jesus. I think this is the fruit that we should be after. It was in the garden where a fruit led humanity into sin and destruction and death. But now in new creation, It's the fruit of the Spirit that is restoring all things to the way that it was meant to be. And so right now, I want to lead us in a time of response. I want us to pray. And I want to invite you to invite the Holy Spirit right now to do a measurement check. Imagine, you know, just like when you were little, you were looking at your height chart and you're seeing how far you've come. Right now, why don't we close our eyes as we invite the Holy Spirit. And I want you to ask yourself this. Imagine you're looking at your spiritual growth chart. Where are the areas where the Spirit has been particularly fruitful in your life? Maybe you look back and you see, wow, I've actually become a lot kinder. Wow, I've actually gotten a lot more self-control. Wow, I've actually become more loving. I want you to celebrate the areas where the Spirit is bearing so much fruit in your life. I want you to say, thank you, Holy Spirit, that it's not my effort that made me more this or that, but it's you that is bearing this beautiful fruit. I want you to celebrate those areas. Surely there must be one or two or three or four. I want you to notice and, 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 and just see where Holy Spirit has borne fruit in your life and say thank you Holy Spirit now I want us to look again this time I want you to ask Holy Spirit to pinpoint 
the areas of your life where you're not bearing fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want you to ask Holy Spirit to reveal to you where are the areas in my life where I'm actually bearing the fruits of the flesh, where I'm bearing the opposite or the counterfeit fruits of the good fruits that you are supposed to offer me. I think for some of you, maybe it's peace and you're always filled with anxiety and worry and you're realizing I need to bear the fruit of peace. For some of you right now, I know it's love because you're looking at the other. You're looking at those with opposite opinions and opposite political leanings and you're looking at them and you hate them. Come on, let's be real. For some of you, maybe it's gentleness, where you're willing to have the hard conversations, but you do it in a way that is actually fueled by pride instead of love and care for the other. Whatever it is, I want you to ask, Holy Spirit, where is the area that is bearing fruit of the flesh? And right now, in your, in your own time with him, I want you to submit to him. And say, I want to give these areas to you. I want to bear your good fruit. It's the Holy Spirit. I invite you into that area. I invite you into that place. I invite you into the, the place where I need to grow, where I need to mature. It doesn't mean I have to change my convictions. It doesn't mean I have to change what I'm going after but it simply means that I just want to bear your fruit while doing it. So right now, just interact with him. Say, Holy Spirit, you can have this part of me. You can have this part. You can have this area. You can have this thing. Would you bear your fruit instead? Yeah. There is a better way. There is a higher way. I just keep hearing the Spirit say that there is a better way. There is a higher way. There's a better way at work. There's a better way in your relationships with your family. There's a better way in your relationship with your friends. There's a better way to pursue justice. There's a better way to be vocal. There's a better way in regulating your sin and your temptation. There is a higher way. God, would you show us? We choose to walk in step with your spirit. So Holy Ghost, we confess we need you. We want you. Would you bear your good fruit in us?